did it go? Can't find my. There we go. Couldn't turn my microphone on. I wonder if that cat could audition for our worship band. That would be. That would be. That'd make it interesting. The only cat that plays on a Sunday morning at a church. Ah, we are talking about this series called Viral Contagious Faith, and we began last week with the series, and and we wanted to. Uh, last week was just great. We, when we think about viral videos, I mean, our our we just had these llamas wandering around our state, and that just created this great opportunity for us to play into the series and let you know what does a viral video look like. We got to talk about the color of a dress, whether it's black or whether it's blue, and then I was all excited that this week we would get to show you another current viral video, and I don't know, I was kind of disappointed this week. Anybody see anything new that was out there? So we're going to have to go into the archives, and let's just see what makes this video viral. Let's try to study this and see what happens. Remember that one? It's funny, when something moves us, when something just uh, taps into something in our spirit, then it just goes from one person to the next. It gets shared and, and gets passed along, and, and one person tells another and tells another. And, and that's what we're talking about in this series called Contagious Faith, Viral, Contagious Faith. How can our faith as a church, how can we as individuals have that kind of faith that, that transforms other people, that goes from one generation to the next, from one person to another? When we think about the things that move us, the things that, that people uh, make go viral, it can be the craziest thing. It can be a video. It can be something simple. It can be a fashion trend. How many of you remember back in the day uh, parachute pants? Any of you remember parachute pants? How many of you would fess up to actually owning some of those pants with all these zippers? That was a big deal when, yeah, that was a big deal when I was in junior high. And, and another trend that was a big deal that, that kind of, I don't know how it swept over everyone, but it was the, remember the members only jackets? But they had the little snaps on the top, on the shoulders. Check this out, how I was styling back in, back in the day. I was proud of that jacket. Um, I wanted a members-only jacket. Now, um, we couldn't afford the members-only ones, but I did go to JCPenney and get the lookalike one. So that's what I had there, sporting the bow tie. And then, look at that, I had penny loafers. You see those penny loafers? Any of you ever put, like, little pennies inside the penny loafers, too? Yeah. See, I don't know. How does that happen? How does that get to a junior high boy back at the time? I know I probably looked like I was in elementary school there. I was little in, in junior high. And, and somehow these trends just go from one person to the next, and they catch on. And, and we see it in all different kinds of things, you know, uh, you know, going around, whether it's a new diet. And all of a sudden, somebody is really onto this new kick, and all of a sudden, it spreads the nation. It sweeps around, and everybody is talking about that and wanting to do that. Or after Christmas, I remember the big deal this year, it was the, the, the Fitbits, and, and all of a sudden everybody was keeping track of how many steps you walked in a day. Does that help, by the way? I don't know. Um, but it's a big deal. Uh, or any, anyone is a CrossFit fanatic in here? 
You guys ever met, you know, CrossFit, the training program? I mean, it's, if you know anybody that's on there or if they're on your Facebook feed, you see them exercising. I see other people exercising more than I actually go to the gym exercising because they post so much about the, the, what they're doing. And they just get excited about, about what they're up to or essential oils. You got to get essential oils. They cure everything. Did you know that? It's amazing at least until the next trend comes through. And, and so what we see is people getting excited. We get excited about something, and we can't help but share that with somebody else. And nobody's paying to have this done. It's just what moves us and, and what has transformed us, we want to share with others. And so that's just kind of the takeoff and, and the foundation of, of what we're talking about in this series called Viral Contagious Faith. How does that faith go from one person to another and infect another person and begin to spread to the point where we are sitting here so many hundreds and thousands of years later still talking about the good news of Christ and how he has transformed us gathering together in worship. And so the question we have today and for the series is simply this, is are you infected? Have you been infected with with a contagious faith? And how do you live that out? Now, last week, we began the series by talking about this viral plan. Viral marketing is not something that's new to this day and age. Jesus invented it a long time ago. Our verse was Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Take a look at this. This was the foundation of the plan that Jesus has established. And he said this, But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the plan was simply this, just when I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit and you're going to start in one place and it's going to spread out from there to the next region to further out and eventually it's going to spread to the ends of the earth. And this was the plan that Jesus had laid out for faith to go viral and why we sit here today. And we talked about last week a little bit as a church, how is it that we are in this place, that the church has, has come to this point, and that we are sitting where we are sitting. And we told a little bit of the history, a little bit of the story, the sacrifices that were made to build this facility, to, to allow ourselves to be in this place, and how one person told another, told another, told another, to the point that, that we are here. And so as we look now at this week, we're talking about not only what was the plan to spread and for us to continue to share the good news of Christ in this community, but, but this week we want to look at the story as it shifts from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at a whole chapter, and the whole idea is how does this now actually happen? Jesus said, here's the plan, but how does it actually begin? And we're going to look at the first transfer of faith from a few to many as we look at Acts chapter 2. And so before we get into God's word, let's bow our heads in prayer and just ask God to, to really open up to our, our hearts to what he has to say. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, laughter. Thank you for, for a chance to see some of these videos and even things that just uh, move us and, and bring us joy and laughter and, and that we can share that with other people. And Father, I pray that as we talk about our faith and what that really means and to own that faith that we can share with others the joy, the laughter, the hope that is in you. Would you just open our eyes to your spirit and to your word and, and what you have for us today that we would be inspired and challenged to do the same. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2. We're going to cover quite a bit of scripture today. We're going to look at a whole chapter, so um, get ready to, to listen in, and if you want to follow along, we'll be in Acts chapter 2. A couple of the key scriptures we'll have up there, but a lot of it I just want to tell you some of the story. And so just to set up the story here now in Acts chapter 2, Backtracking to last week, Jesus said, wait here, he told the disciples. He was, he was getting ready to leave after the resurrection. He spent some days with them. And he said, now wait here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes, till the right time, and then you'll know. And then this process will start. 
And so they waited. And Jesus left. And as they waited, they realized, we have to replace Judas as one of the disciples. And so they went about and they said, one of the key requirements for replacement disciple is that this person has to be a witness of the resurrection. Somebody that had, has seen Jesus, was with Jesus, and witnessed the resurrection. And this is a really key piece. Somebody who could share what they had seen and heard and what they experienced. And they choose Matthias. And so now they have the disciples together, and then they wait. They waited one week, two weeks. All right, how long do we wait? When's God going to show up? When is this thing going to happen? Three weeks, four weeks, five, six, seven weeks later. Now it's coming up on this festival that the, that the Jewish people were celebrating in Jerusalem. And it was Pentecost. And it was called the, the Festival of Weeks. It was a, a festival of where they celebrated the harvest. It was a festival that they celebrated the, uh, the Ten Commandments that were given. And, and, and so this festival is coming up, and they were all gathered there. And it was on that day, on Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit shows up and begins to transform them. So I'm going to read to you a little bit here from, from Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection... The believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them, and it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Godly Jews from many nations were living in Jerusalem at the time. When they heard the sound, they came running to see what it was all about, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were beside themselves with wonder. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking the languages of the lands where we were born. Here we are, Parth Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya toward Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabians. And then it says this, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. I read all those different names and all those different places because it gives you a sense, an idea of, of how this word was being spread out. And all of a sudden they're speaking in all these different languages. And in this moment, on this day of Pentecost, the church gets set into motion. The Holy Spirit comes. And, and it's interesting that God would choose this day. Right? The, the, the disciples were wondering, even as we talked about last week, how do the 12 of us and maybe 120 other believers at that time, how do we take this message into the whole world? And Jesus said, I've got a plan. Just wait and pray, and when I come, it'll be clear to you. Well, what happened on that day of Pentecost was people from different countries were coming together. People that lived in Jerusalem from different places were all in that place, and they were coming together, and they were celebrating the harvest. In a very symbolic way, Jesus was saying to them, the harvest is ready. The time is right. The time is now for us to be able to share this good news of, of, of Christ and what he has done and, and the resurrection from the dead. We're going to share this now with everybody. And so as they were gathered there together, in this moment, in this festival where the harvest is celebrated, the Holy Spirit comes and begins to empower the people, the followers of Christ, to begin to share the good news of Christ. And so they're gathered there. And then this crazy thing happens. And, and I, I, it's, it's one of these pieces where we go, wow, that's kind of 
odd. They're gathering, and there's this, this mighty rushing sound, this wind that's blowing through. And then as they look and see what's going on, what appears to be tongues of fire are like over each person. This is which is kind of weird, isn't it? Let's just be honest, right? Is that weird? Let's just be honest. It's kind of weird. I'm going, I've not seen that in my life. But, but when I think about that is, is this is a situation that they can't explain, that, but what they do know is it began to transform them. Why do you think the symbolism is there of this tongue on fire? The tongue represents speech. The tongue represents our words. And this fire means there's a power behind the words that we have to speak. And it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so when we talk about this idea of going viral and how do we share our faith and how do, we, how do we become contagious people, there's a direct connection to our tongue. Now, many times we say, you know, um, you share your faith always and use words only when necessary. Have you ever heard that? And I think there's some wisdom in that, that we live out our life and, and we, we model it and how, we, how our faith is lived and people might ask us questions. But we can't undermine and underestimate the power of our speech, the power of our tongue to communicate what God has done. It's, it's how we get out the words. It's how we tell the story. It's through our speech, and it's through each individual person. And I think what, what, what this is symbolizing here on this day of Pentecost was that the power of the Holy Spirit came to anoint our tongues to speak the truth of God and to speak the words of God clearly. Now, they were empowered to speak the word of God in all these different languages, and isn't that cool to think here they are speaking in all these different languages and what are these people going to do after they hear this? They're going to go back to their homes. They're going to, when they visit family in different countries, they now have the word of God in their own tongue and in their own language and they can begin to see that transformation begin from there and begin to spread out throughout the world. And what is it that they're sharing? And I think that's what's so interesting in, in this verse right here. And we hear, we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. This is how the sharing of our faith happens. We just tell about the wonderful things God is doing. Now every week uh, in staff meeting, we take the first part of our meeting when we gather all together, and we just say, let's just celebrate. What's going on? What, what's happening? What are some of the good things that are happening in this church that you've seen in people? And you know, almost every week we just sit there in silence. No, we don't. There are great things happening every week. <laughs> like, oh, darn. Um, we have to cut this time short sometimes because we're hearing the great things that are happening in student ministry or children's ministry or what happened during this time when we connected or when uh, you know, we had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with somebody or we hear a great answer to prayer that God is doing. You know, we saw a couple of pictures and images that can't capture what, what's happening at some of these events, but even at an event where we're bowling together with friends, new connections are made. I got to meet some new people that I feel like I got to know a little bit better. When we see that, 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 that winter blast where the students went and to see hundreds of students coming together, hearing the good news of Christ and watching these students come back, excited about what God is doing, we need to tell that. We need to share that. Students' lives are changed. The women's retreat happened. I heard it was so good there was even ugly crying going on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what ugly crying is. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. But there's joyous crying and ugly crying. But God was moving deeply. And, and that's a sign of the Holy Spirit transforming people. But good things are happening and lives are changing and we're growing. And, and we need a share of the good things that are happening. And that's, that's what happens when a church begins to share. Here's what's going on. And when we can tell people, here's what God's doing in my life, we just share of the wonderful things God is doing. 
Sometimes we get all worried we have to share this, this, this theology and all these different pieces. Just tell people what he's doing in your life. And the power of the Holy Spirit will give you that ability. And while we don't have to speak in different languages right now, and maybe I've heard stories of God continuing to give that gift sometimes where somebody speaks a language that they haven't been able to speak before in a certain situation. But what our job is to do is to be able to communicate that good news to our culture. The language changes with each generation, with each place, even within the United States and in different cultures and in different settings. And we are still called to continue to speak the word of God into the language of the culture around us and just to tell of the wonderful things God is doing. And so here we see now these people empowered by the Holy Spirit. Go and begin to share and they can't help but begin to speak. And here we get this first reaction and you see two sides of the reaction. It's in, the, in verse 12. After they, they hear all these wonderful things, it says this. They stood there amazed and perplexed, the people that were listening. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd were mocking. They're drunk. That's all they said. And so we see in this picture here, too, when we begin to share of the things that God is doing, the wonderful things that are happening, you're going to have skeptics who kind of go, ah, oh, these people are all, I don't know what they're smoking, I don't know what they're drinking, I don't know what they're full of, just like this here. Or people wondering what... T tell me more about that. What, that's, what is that all about? And so Peter, in this moment, empowered, remember, you're going to receive power. Peter steps out and says, here's an opportunity. And here I'm, I'm going to speak the word of God clearly. And he begins to step out in verse 14. It says, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about it. And, and he just begins to share about Christ. And he begins to share about the resurrection, the life, the teachings, the death, and ultimately that, that Jesus is alive. He's beginning to share. And then he quotes this passage from, from Isaiah. Because people were asking, how can this be that these people, are they drunk? What's going on? I say, no, the Holy Spirit is beginning to transform them and, and they're living in a different way. And then he quotes this passage out of Isaiah. It says this, in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And then he said, and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What he's saying here is, look, this isn't just reserved for a few people. God's spirit is available to everyone who, who, who is receiving him and who will be saved. Now, just to make sure we're all on board here that this is available for you and for me, he lists off a few things. I just want you to raise your hand if this applies to you. Um, any of you who are young, raise your hand. Not you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> raise your hand. If you're young, raise your hand. Raise your hand and keep it up. If you're old, raise your hand. Okay, keep it up, keep it up, keep them up. If you are a man, raise your hand. If you are a woman, raise your hand. See, is everyone included? I think that includes everyone. I think what the scripture is saying here, and what Paul is saying, look, it was prophesied long ago that the Spirit of God, that this power is available to everyone. And, and we might look at that and go, what, what does he mean by this power to prophesy? What, is, what does that mean? Like, are we going to all start predicting the future? That's kind of how we understand prophecy. What prophecy really means almost all throughout scripture is someone who is willing to speak the truths of God into a situation. Somebody who's willing to speak the truth of God into a difficult situation. That's what prophets did long ago. And we're called into a generation and into people's lives where we are the ones who are willing to speak the truth of God into a difficult situation and point them to truth, point them to hope, point them to a, a place that, that they can put an anchor and a stake in the ground and say, this 
This will sustain you. This will change you. And that is our calling, to speak the truth of God and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. Peter then continues, and, and he's just talking to them about, about the Messiah. And then at one point he says, and we're all witnesses of this, that Jesus came and that, that he rose again, and, and, and we've seen it with our own eyes. As he moves along in the message, and we get to verse 36 here, he gets very clear and he says this, So let it be clearly known by everyone in Israel that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah, to be the Savior and the Redeemer. And then it says, Peter's words convicted them deeply, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? So what happens just here in these couple of verses as we're, as we're reading this, one, again, Peter speaks clearly. Let it clearly be known by everyone. And he says, this is God. This, is, this Jesus is God, and he was made to be the Lord and the Messiah. And what he means by that, he's to be the Savior. He is the one who is the, the ruler, the one that we are going to submit our lives to. That is who Jesus is. So there's no doubt about it. Let's be clear. Who is Jesus? He was crucified, and he came for you. He came to bring you new life. He came to bring you hope. I mean, if, if he rose from the dead, which they're saying, we saw him. We saw him after, after the, he was buried in the tomb. We saw him, and he's alive. And I'm here to tell you, if, if, if he can conquer death, he can, he can change your life and give you eternal life. And he speaks clearly. And then the response is this. They're convicted. And convicted in a way that just moved them to say, you know what? Um, there's something more here. Something about Peter's words as all these people were listening in began to move them. And, and they recognized this is truly the God that can change our lives that, that he is talking about. And it leads them to this question. What should we do? And I think some of us here this, this morning, we, we've been around and we, maybe we've heard this good news. Uh, we've heard scripture maybe for weeks, maybe for months. Maybe you've even been coming for years. You come with your spouse or maybe your parents bring you or maybe your kids have brought you or maybe you've just been curious and, and been listening for a long time. And we hear again and again, we worship in the church. We worship Jesus who is alive, that he, he died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. So that we don't have to carry those sins anymore. And this by his free gift of grace, which says, it doesn't matter what you've done. If you humble yourselves and just say, God, I throw myself at the foot of the cross. I throw myself at your mercy. He says, I forgive you. I welcome you in. Here's a brand new life. I'll forget that past. I'll give you a new life. We hear this message, but yet maybe we've never responded to it. Maybe we've never allowed it to convict us to a point where we respond and have asked that key question. What should we do? Because we can just stop at the message and we can hear the message and go, that's great, that's a great message and the church does some good things and we can be a part of it. But at some point it has to be a response and that response comes, what should we do? See, if you're living your life out in faith, those of you who have given your life to Christ, at some point people are going to ask you a question. They're going to say, what? tell me more about this or what should I do? How should I respond? And are you ready to respond? Are you ready to help? And here's how, how Peter responds to that question, what should we do? Peter replied, very specifically, he said, Each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. 
Let's go back one slide because I think it's just this simplicity here where Peter's replies, and, and, and this is the challenge to you if you're wondering, what should we do? If you're wondering, well, how should I take that step of faith? Each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. This right here is at the heart of the message of Jesus, at the message of the church, at the message of the Bible. Turn. We talk about here at the church, gather the people and turn hearts and minds towards Christ. That's repentance. When we turn from the direction we were going, the way we were facing, and we make it about face, and we say, I'm going to turn towards Christ, and I'm going to lean into his forgiveness. I'm going to accept that sacrifice that was made for the forgiveness of my sins and be baptized. And so the question is, where are you on this journey? Who are you? Are you one of the skeptics that's saying, ah, these people are, I don't know, they're all full of it, they're drunk, they're, I don't know what's going on there. Or maybe you're somebody who's curious and saying, tell me more. Maybe you've heard this message for a long time and it's time for you to respond to that message and to say, yes, Lord, here's my life. I believe. I believe this story. Maybe you've taken that step of faith, but you've not been baptized. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know about being baptized and, and do I really have to and what does that mean? Man, this baptism has been a rite of passage. It's something that is that is joined us throughout the generations with believers throughout the centuries. It symbolizes outwardly what has happened inwardly. When we give our life to Christ, what we're saying is we're dying to our old self. The sin that we have is being washed clean. And so as we go under in baptism and under that water, it's a symbolism of going into the grave, being buried with Christ. And if we hold you under there long enough, it becomes a very good symbol of that. But if we take you up out of that, the symbolism of being washed of your sins, of being freed and being raised to a new life with Christ is powerful. And it's this idea of being all in, nothing held back. Every part of me is, is surrendered to Christ, every part of my life. And it represents this new life in Christ that happens when we are saved. And so Peter puts that out there and says, it's that simple. That's where it begins. You don't have to have all the theology figured out. You don't have to have every answer. You don't have to overcome every one of your, your vices and challenges. You simply need to surrender it to God and say, every area of my life, Lord, I withhold you nothing. I just, all I do is I lean on the grace and the forgiveness of Christ. And he's going to count me worthy because of that. And then I want to be baptized to show that, 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 yes, Christ has transformed me and I am part of this new body of believers called the church. How would you respond how might you respond today? Would this be your day where you respond to Christ saying, yes, I respond? Here's how the people respond. In verse 41, he says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church. How many? About 3,000 in all. Talk about going viral quickly, right? I mean, we went from this one group, and in one day, 3,000 people responded to the power of the Holy Spirit, to this, this conviction, but, but through the words of Peter, through what was said and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and the church was formed. And we see that this first transfer went from, from a group of people, from the Holy Spirit, to another group who also now had the Holy Spirit and God present in them and said, we want to live this life as followers of Christ. And then they got about gathering together, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer, and they were breaking bread together and said, we got to figure out what this means now to be followers of Christ. So let's get together. Let's, let's worship, let's pray, and that's how the church was formed. 
And that's how they began now to grow in their faith and then begin to share that again with others. Now, one of the things they did is they got together and they broke bread together. And we're going to do that in just a moment as a church as we take communion. But again, I just want to ask you, where are you? Is this the day where you need to say, I gave my life to Christ and my life was forever transformed. I surrendered to Christ. And the Holy Spirit comes and begins to fill your life and transform you. Or maybe this is the day where you say, you know, I, know, I heard about baptism. I'm going to sign up for baptism. Where I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take that stuff. I'm going to learn about that. And I want the, the church and the world to know, my friends, that I am a follower of Christ. Take that step. But what about those of you, now we can just step back and say, well, check. Gave my life to Christ. I'm baptized. The challenge comes to say, how are you transferring that faith and being contagious to the people around you? You know, we're coming up on Easter, and and as I shared with you last week, we're going to have seven different worship opportunities in the course of that Saturday night and Sunday morning. We're making room for over 2,000 people to come. We've never had 2,000 people at McDowell Mountain Community Church. And so in order to fill those seats, we decided to spend 50 grand on advertising. No, we're not. (laughs) The board just fainted a little bit there. Wouldn't that be easier than having to do it ourselves? We're not going to do that. Because we believe the power of communicating the good news of Christ comes from person to person, from tongues, from speech anointed by the Holy Spirit that gives you the courage to share that faith, to invite somebody else and say, come and see the good things that God is doing. I want you to be a part of that, and I know God can change you, and I want you to know that, that on that Sunday, as we do on every Sunday, but especially on Easter, we will clearly communicate the good news of Christ and to partner together in that so that, that, that we can continue to write our own stories of the number of lives that have been changed and transformed because our faith went viral, because we became contagious in sharing our faith. We're only here because one person shared with us, who somebody shared with them, who somebody shared with them. And I think about my parents, and I think about my family, and I think about their parents, my grandparents, and I think about pastors and Sunday school teachers, and I think about yeah, those that were in youth ministry, or maybe a neighbor, a friend, a teacher. Somebody had the courage to continue to share that faith. And would we do the same?